Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. Everybody, I'm Steve Azar, and you're listening to In a Mississippi Minute. I finally got a a good reason to use that song. Uh, My next guest, someone I've been a fan of for a long time, just an amazing talent uh, in the world of comedy uh, and acting and... uh, and I've gotten to know him uh, throughout the years, uh, a little bit at a time. And his wife, Gail, uh, he's uh, he's just an amazing guy. Likes to beat on the golf ball like I do. Everybody, welcome, Mr. Bill Ingvall. Hello, Bill. Well, <clears throat> hey, Steve. Uh, this is really awkward. Uh, Thank you. Because I had asked you to lose this number, and I somehow <laughs> you got it again. I don't know how, but. Uh, I thought the check cleared. We're all good. I yeah, did it not. Yeah, yeah, no checks. Well, I always kind of like another one. I was kind of <laughs> hoping we'd get we'd get another one, uh, and then get another one. And um, and I, I know we were texting earlier, and I got everybody excited in the building that you were going to wear this sundress for me. And I and I and they said he can't do that in Mississippi. I said, well, he's in the mountains right now. I, I imagine Colorado, right? Uh, actually, we're in Utah. And the only reason I didn't Utah. send you a picture is because once it's on the internet, it's there forever. Well, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> then I'm going to be asked to model, and I just don't have the time, Steve. I, I just don't have the time. I, I know, I know, I know. And if you start modeling, you're exactly right. You'd hate to make all that extra money like the Kardashians are doing. You know, just kind of exactly. You know, just wearing nothing. Is what the, well, what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, right. Uh, and by the way, we'll get into this a little bit, but I, uh, that whole phenomenon is beyond me. Gail wanted me to tell you hello. Hello, Gail. And just to tell you that Wink is still one of our favorite songs. Um, <laughs> just We just walk around the house singing that. And you're, you know, the way you did it was just perfect. <laughs> Considering I didn't do it. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. You, <laughs> do, you want, do you want to hear a funny story on that? Yeah, yeah, I do want so, to hear a funny uh, story. Gail and I were going to go see uh, Steve Miller and Peter Frampton. And I had been in touch with uh, Bucky, uh, Steve Miller's road manager. Steve and I had done a corporate gig together, which was funny in itself because I got to the corporate gig and the guy, the promoter said, okay, you'll go on. And then Steve goes on. And I go, wait, who's Steve? <laughs> and he goes, Steve Miller. And I said, like the Steve Miller band? And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, okay. So uh, I'm opening for Steve. Okay. All right. That's cool. So I went and so they said, do you want to meet him? And I said, well, uh, who doesn't want to meet Steve Miller? And so they said, well, come on. So Bucky walked me over to the bus, and we walked on the bus, and Steve Miller was making a sandwich. And he goes, he goes, hey, mate, would you like a sandwich? And I go, who turns down a sandwich from Steve Miller? So I sat there and ate a toasted BLT with Steve Miller, thinking, this is surreal. 
So fast forward now, we're going to see Steve Miller and Peter Frampton. Uh, Bucky, the road manager, got, we parked back by the buses. I have some friends with us who have never been privy to that sort of uh, location, you know, where you're backstage where everybody's cool and you sit in the lounge that they set up and right. all that. Watch Peter Frampton, who was amazing. Then, uh, God, I felt bad for him because anybody that's ever done a concert knows the worst spot you can have is the opening act in the summer because the, light, the sun's still up. Right. And there's no, you know, there's no iMag or anything. Right. So we watched Peter Frampton. So then he finishes. So we go backstage and uh, sitting there with Bucky and all. So he said, he said, all right, he said, Steve's getting ready to go on. He goes, well, let me go and walk, walk you guys up to the soundboard. Dude, as God is my witness, I'm walking with Steve Miller's tour manager. And I said, is he going to play Free Fallen? And he goes, probably not. <laughs> so that's a Tom <laughs> Petty song. song. <laughs> I lo- See, this is what I love about you. I knew that if we stumble early, we're going to catch back up, and it's going to and it's going to give me this great story. And I love it. That, so. that would be like that'd be like somebody going to the Foxworthy concert and going, "Hey, uh, is he going to do? Here's your sign." Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. But no, and Jeff, or, he'd say, "Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm yeah, going to do it." Yeah. yeah, and he would do it. He would do it in honor of you. He'd do it. You know, it's funny. Uh, we're listening. Uh, we're we're uh, actually listening to Steve Azar uh, stumble through this thing on his third. This is my fourth voyage right now. Uh, with Bill Ingball, and we're uh, we're having a good time during this show. We're gonna we're gonna be talking to a lot of friends along the way, and at some point, like I've said, I'm gonna run out of them, and that's where I have to go <laughs> to you, Bill, and go. Do you have any friends? Do you have any friends I could call? <laughs> then I could call and bother them for uh, how many minutes for an hour? But anyway, I, I did want to ask you uh, to mm-hmm. get a little serious, and we won't stay serious for long. You know, okay. you and I are an anomaly in our business. Um, uh, there's yeah. not many that have been. I got married in 89 at, to, uh, I think it must be the fact that the name starts with G, because Gwen, and there's Gail. You guys were married, I think, what, early 80s? Is that right? We got married in 82. I, uh, Gail and I had gone to school, college together. In fact, I'd ask her out, and she said no. And I thought, all right, I'll give you one more shot. <laughs> um, and she said no again. So I figured, well, hey, there's a lot of fish in the sea. I don't need to mess with this. Right. And so I moved, uh, and by the way, I was on, I was on track to be a pre-med, uh, but I discovered women in beer and studies <laughs> went out the window. So <clears throat> I moved back to Dallas and was uh, DJing in a, a nightclub. Let's just say I uttered the phrase, gentlemen, get out your wallets. Here comes Cheyenne quite a bit. But uh, bouncer guy was a friend of mine and they opened up this comedy club and he said, hey, let's go down there on amateur night and watch some guys suck. And I was like, okay, great. So we got down there, and a couple rounds of liquid encouragement went through me, and they got me on stage, and I just started talking about being a DJ. This lady came and offered me the job uh, to be in the house MC. Basically, I would pick the comics up at the airport on Monday, MC the show through the week, and then drop them back off on Monday morning. Bill, what town were you in? Oh, you were in Dallas. In Dallas, okay. All right. And so the first night I ever went on stage being paid, uh, Gail and a couple of friends from this college, a little small school we went to, just happened to be in mm-hmm. the club that night. Yep. So I'm standing back at the bar, which was usual, and uh, <laughs> one of the girls came back. And, and the Southwestern was a really small school in Georgetown, Texas, where everybody knew everybody. So this girl came back, and we were talking, and so she said, well, I'm going back down. I said, all right. So she went on back down to her seats, and she, I guess, apparently got to her seats and said, you're not going to believe this. Bill Ingvall's going on stage. And Gail, to this day, <laughs> 35 years later, will tell you, I don't know why I walked back there. I had no reason to walk back there. I didn't like you. <laughs> we, we talked for a little bit, and we, exchange, we exchanged numbers on a two-drink minimum card that we still have to this day. And you didn't I use the card? Off, 
No, I, I was getting paid. I got free drinks. Okay, that's good. And right. so I, get that. uh, I said, well, look, I'll call you in a couple weeks. And I called her the next day. And, uh, of course I you said, did. Hey, I said, of course I did. I said, <laughs> You've I never said, been you good go? with time. You know that. No, nah, that's right. Well, I'm not going to let this try to slip away again. <laughs> so, uh, I, so I said, let's go have brunch tomorrow. And she said, okay. Well, at the time, I was shooting a movie in Dallas. I, was, I, I say shooting movie in the sense that I was Michael O'Keefe's stand-in. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and the movie was called Split Image, uh, and it was about a religious cult. It had a great cast. It was like Peter Fonda, Brian Dennehy, James Woods. Uh, I love James Woods. Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. Uh, everybody. And so they get halfway through this movie, and they realize that Tatum O'Neill looks too young for this part. And so instead of recasting the whole movie, they brought in Karen Allen and, uh, from Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they just reshot the scenes. And they came to us as a stand-in, and they said, hey, do you want to get your SAG card? And I said, Sure. So I became a student. That was my billing student, uh, and, and and I got my SAG card by saying to learn the lines high and sure. <laughs> I love and it. so so now, Gail, I'm taking. So I said, look, we're at brunch. And <laughs> this this is where if you want to know what Bill Engvall is really like, this is it in a nutshell. I had just come off a children's theater acting tour where it was eight of us and a dog in a van. And we would go to elementary schools and sit up and do plays for the kids. I love it. So and uh, and and I had this movie going. So uh, I told Gail at brunch, I said, "Hey, why don't you want to come down to the movie set and, and watch?" Because I there was shoot, there were shooting a scene where James Woods plays a deprogrammer. Michael O'Keefe gets pulled into this religious cult, and Brian Dennehy, his dad, wants to get him out, so he hires this programmer to pull him out. Well, while uh, Michael O'Keefe is going through the deprogramming, he sees James Wood turn into this demon. And they said, do you want to be the demon? I said, yeah, why not? And so I had on like a, so, so Gail, I had to be there like at 4.30 in the morning because it took like three hours to put this. I had the full-on demon head oh, yeah. with a tongue that shot out, and I had oh, yeah, gl- a glow-in-the-dark contact lenses. Well, so Gail said, yeah, I'll come down and watch it. It's like it. the crossroads down here in Mississippi. Yeah. She goes, I pick her up, and we go down to the thing, and, and the girl's putting all the make-eye claws and the mask and everything. Well, Gail's watching her, the makeup put all this stuff on me. I still had on my street clothes. <laughs> And I guess the they took me over to wardrobe, and the wardrobe just assumed that Gail was my girlfriend or wife or whatever, yeah. and said, would you help me take his pants off? Because I couldn't, because I had claws on. And I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. Needs to say, I happened that day to be wearing my Scooby-Doo boxer shorts, which yeah. always impresses women. Well, it is very impressive with Shaggy <laughs> and everybody. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. This is Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute. I'm with the fantastic, fabulous, wild child, Bill Ingball. We'll be right back. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar, on Facebook.com, Steve Azar Live, and listen to all my music, Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men, wherever you download or stream. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. This is in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar with the fabulous, fantastic, hanging out in Utah, parts unknown Utah, Mr. Bill Ingball, and we are having a great time. And uh, uh, we were talking about the loves of our lives and how how we sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess the, my point is how in the heck have they put up with a long career 
I know that I had a crazy career, and I know I know you guys had to go through a lot of like ups and downs. Oh yeah, and just get just getting there, right? Especially when you're in college together, and you, you know she was there for the ride, and uh, and so many times, so many people get there and they throw their spouse all the way under the bus and they run over him and they move on to the next best thing. Uh, we've been, uh, I, you and I obviously are smarter than the rest of everybody else. We've kept all of our money and we've kept the best women there are around. Right. So, uh, so you and I obviously have, a, uh, we got well, that going for I think, for you us. know, Steve, I think what a lot of, you know, people see us on stage and, uh, you know, I, you, I know you well enough and you know me well, that we're not, we don't consider ourselves celebrities but exactly. to other people, we are. Right. And I think that, you know, listen, I, I think a lot of people don't understand that when you're a touring artist, uh, like I miss both my kids walking and talking for the first time. Yeah. And that's stuff you don't get back. And, right. And so, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't think people understand how much we give up and how much our wives give up uh, of us being around. And, right. Uh, helping out when it needs to be helped out. I mean, good Lord knows. And, you know, and then the fact that, I, I tell you what, if you've got a wife that will make it through this business, that, <clears throat> that's a keeper, as they say, in the oh. old fishing business. I mean, I, I, I like to, I try to, I always try to put the shoe on the other foot sometimes, and I think, well, how would I have felt if it had been her that had been the big celebrity and people right. screaming stuff, that's like, I want to sleep with you, and, and right. all this, yeah. and I'm sitting home with two kids. I mean, I'm, and I, this is where I'll give Gail credit, is to this day, <clears throat> She's never once said, why do you have to go on the road? Why can't you right. just be home like a normal husband? And I know she's probably thought that, but yeah. she never said it out right. loud, which makes my job and your job so much easier. Right. Uh, because it is, it's, got, it's a really hard thing. And, and I think that's why you don't see too many couples making it in this, in this business. No, no, well, you see multiple, multiple separations. It's not like it's just, well, once they get going, they like to keep it going, you know? Well, and, you know, I'll <laughs> tell you who I, I use as kind of a model for that is George Strait. I mean, George, I think where most artists make their mistake is they start believing their press. You know, at the end of the day, you put your pants on, I put my pants on, just like everybody or else. Or your dress, in this case. Which yeah, well, or my dress, you, in you this shave, case. You shave uh, your legs. I mean, Dina, <laughs> Dina Carter's going to hear all about it. I can't wait to talk. Uh, oh, I miss Dina. Good night, She's nurse. She's the sweetest girl. She, we do a I had, couple I, shows when I, here. When Here's Your Sign first came out, I did a fair with her, and she made me laugh so hard. She got on stage, and she was getting ready. She goes, all right, this next song uh, was with <laughs> Strawberry Wine. She was was written by my husband, and people started going, boo, and she goes, don't you see this? Hey, y'all shut up. That's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good. All right, we're with Billing Ball, everybody, and I know you know, here's your sign, but I still want to know where, you know, where was the epiphany? Because I know that I didn't write a great song as far as ones that the that the masses heard, like Waiting on Joe and I Don't Have to Be Middle Monday. I started writing it after our third child was born, and I felt like, you know, I dreamed it, and I didn't really work hard until there was the wife and the three kids, and I said, "Oh no, you know what I mean? I got, yeah. I got to oh, get to work." Uh, definitely. And so, yeah, I where think you was really this? get grounded when you when yeah. you when you have people that are dependent on you. Yeah. Uh, and now here's back to the question. Here's your sign. I can tell you, I was working at the Funny Bone Comedy Club in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I know it sounds like I'm bragging. So uh, <laughs> I used to do this bit that I said, "Stupid people." I thought stupid people should be slapped, and. Uh, <laughs> Then Gail one day said, you know, you don't really look like a guy that walks around slapping people. <laughs> so while I was at that club, I came up with this idea of a sign that just said, I'm stupid. And, you know, <laughs> that people would have to wear them, and that way you wouldn't rely on them. You know, like right. you would say, oh, you tap them on the show, go, excuse me, and they turn around, they got the I'm stupid, and I go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see your sign. 
and you wouldn't ask him to do anything or think he wouldn't have. And it just kind of evolved into here's your sign. And it was crazy how people caught on to that. In fact, I remember back in the clubs, I used to sell at the end of the show, I would sell signs that say, I'm stupid for a dollar a piece or two for five bucks. And <laughs> you'd be amazed how many people bought. Thank, thank you for getting that. So many yeah. people go, really? That's nice. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah, I and, know. And then one day, Gail came to me, and she goes, we've got to stop selling the signs. And I said, why? And she goes, well, you go sell these signs, and I co- you come home with about $300 in ones, and I go to the bank, and everybody at the bank thinks I'm a topless. Yeah, they, they love it. I uh, <laughs> love Hey, listen, let them think what they want. And first of all, you're never supposed to take uh, – maybe I shouldn't say this on the airways, but what I was told is all those ones are supposed to go in the sock drawer. So, well, they do now. Yeah, they yeah. do now. <laughs> that will be, will be investigated tomorrow. I'll tell you a funny story about here's your sign. Uh, what, after, and one of the things I miss the most, about where I'm at now is I really do miss because uh, I, I you know my, I grew up comedically in the country market you know with you well, yeah. and, and Neil and Toby and all these guys and, and it was fun hanging out so one time I was on tour and I had a bus you know when you're on the bus you know even if you're asleep you can feel it slow down like I guess he's getting right. cigarettes or gas or whatever <laughs> all of a sudden there's a knock at the door <clears throat> and my bus driver goes are you asleep I said well hell yeah it's three in the morning he said well fog hat's in front of us <laughs> and they want to take pictures with you. And I said, what? I love so I, I throw on some clothes. Get off. We're on the side of the road at 3 in the morning, and I'm giving the Foghead guys some here's your signs to hang in the back of their bus. And yeah, I love pictures. it. Hey, you know what's funny is, so I had a bus with a picture and everything, but we, for some reason it was down, and so we had to take Leonard Skinner's out because they were off tour, so they let us use it, right? So I'm in their right. bus, and I love this. I'm getting off the bus, and somebody goes, hey, is Leonard on there? And I went, Leonard. what are you talking about? Is Leonard, I really, I'm a big, huge fan. I just love Leonard. And I went, oh, my God, you're a big fan, all right? You know, so oh my God. I started looking, and I got on the bus, and I was cracking up. And speaking of that, I had a couple of rituals, and I want to know about yours. So, right. so, first of all, you know, it was... I didn't wake up until like eleven or twelve. I learned that man, you just got you playing, you play, and you you're wired, and you and you eat at Denny's or Waffle House at two in the morning. So I wouldn't eat breakfast because I already did, and I'd wake up at like noon and I'd do my twenty minute workout because I can do it anywhere in the world. And I'd go to the front of the bus and I would do calf raises on the on the way down, and I would work, and I wouldn't let anybody off the bus until I was done. And then we were going to Cracker Barrel, <laughs> and I'd have chicken and dumplings <laughs> and these cheese and crackers. But that was my ritual every time. And, and the band was wanting to stab me because they were going like, you've got to move. And I said, I'm the boss, and you, I'm staying here, and i got to get my calves pumped up, and then I'll go in. Because so, chicks love my calves. Yeah, well, like, I've, I've got calves that we got to work hard on, man. It's the one thing, you know. I've got these guns, but but the calves, I don't know. i got my Uncle Joe's calves. I don't know. But anyway, like two grapefruits on a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> they were very athletic growing up, sort of. <laughs> hey, so so what about you? So what on the bus? Is there any sort of? Uh... Well, the, uh, when you're by yourself, it sucks. Yeah, because yeah. you know there's really no you don't get on the bus unless, unless I had an opening act. There is rituals that happen on the bus. Like when I first went out with Reba, I had to be on the crew bus. Right. Uh, and the crew, for those who don't know, the crew are like the Marines. They're the first one in, the last ones out. Right, uh, and so and, I, and her I only had to do cool. 15, her cruise, yeah, cool. and I only had to do fifteen minutes on stage, so yeah. I'd be there all day at these fairs, and right? Stuff. And and I was so bored, I started pulling cable, 
And, and Narble said, Bill, I appreciate it, but I don't have the insurance to cover you. <laughs> you know, Reba, call, I get a call one day saying that she was walking down the hall, turned in a song called Big Blue Sky, which I thought was going to be the follow-up to my to my Waiting on Joe record, and they all canned it, right? And so she's right. walking down the hall a year later, and she hears it, and she she records it. And so I'm going like, so she calls to tell me the story about why she recorded it. I went on a family vacation uh, to Yosemite, and I wanted to put that song to all the the videos and photos that we took. And then I go, well, I'm going to record it. And so then the label guys call, the same ones that said, they, they, they said they go, hey, Steve, uh, why didn't you ever turn this one in? This is a great song. And I went, <laughs> oh, you know what? You know, here's the deal. That's right. You guys have ears like stone. So yeah. any, anyway, but Reba, I love Reba, man, and I've done a bunch of shows with her, and she was always I nice. Tell you One of the funniest people ever, I, when I was out with her, I'll tell you this real quick story. I used to do a joke on my act that I said, if you ever feel bad about yourself, go to a state fair and just look around. <laughs> I said, I've seen, I saw a 300-pound woman with a burrito in one hand, yeah. uh, a, a corn dog in the other hand, and she's got a cigarette in her mouth, Yeah, and she asked for a Diet Coke. I said, having that kind of food and asking for a Diet Coke is kind of like walking into a drugstore and saying, I need a box of condoms, and point you poke a hole in them. And so I was doing that joke, and, and Narvel loved the joke. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. one night, we, we were in Georgia. We were the Six Flags over Georgia. And it was for the price of getting into the park and another dollar, you could get in to see Bill Ingball, John Michael Montgomery, and Reba McIntyre. <laughs> Well, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, come on. It's the same food vendors. I mean, how many places right. did we play? You know, my 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 market. I mean, my, my my merch guy. We called him Peanut. Do you know what he would do? He would go. He goes. He'd come running in with a corn dog like it was. He goes, "This is the best corn dog I've ever had in my life." And I go, "Peanut." It's the same company. It, no, no, no. This is different. And it, it was every single state <laughs> fair. He come running in, and he was. I mean, this was serious business. This you're not going to believe this corn dog. And <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to take a break there. This is Steve Azar. We're with the fantastic. What the heck? How could you go from Galveston? Oh, Galveston. Well, we we were living in L.A. and the kids grew up and moved away, and so mm. we had been skiing up here in Park City. So yeah, we decided to make it our home. We'll be right back with Bill Ingball, and uh, stay tuned. You're listening to In a Mississippi Minute as I stumble through it. Baby, you're my sunshine, first light. Find your way to places that only no lights. Feel tries, bruise skies, with hardly time to in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar, you're listening to In a Mississippi Minute. That is my song, and I finally got some good use out of it. Uh, as long as they're going to keep me on their waves, we'll see, we'll see how long that lasts. We're uh, with Bill Ingvall, a fantastic comedian, actor. Uh, he's done a lot of records with some friends of mine, but has never done a record with me. And uh, I am a little concerned about that. I'm seeing the list of, of some of the guys you've made records with, and uh, and I'm going to call them and ask them how it happened. You would be the perfect artist to do a video with. Unfortunately, CMT doesn't. I think that's where CMT made a big, big mistake, was when they stopped airing those videos, those comedy videos, because what I found was that artists like yourself, they want to show their fans there's another side to them. Well, absolutely. You know, instead of just singing the ballads. I'm all like, serious and stuff. It's too much. Uh, I'll tell you a great story about Here's Your Sign, uh, the Here's Your Sign video. <laughs> so uh, at the time, I was doing the Crown Royal Country Music Tour with uh, Joe Diffie and uh, Red Akins and Neil McCoy. Right. 
I knew we were going to be shooting this video, so I went to and Joe Diffie's got probably one of the best voices I've ever heard in my life. I think he, uh, he, he can j- sing everything well, from. It's just disgusting. Yeah, he how can good sing he anything. It was he was the best singer around when we were there. So I said, "Hey, Joe," I said, "We're going to be doing this video called Here's Your Sign,' and I'd like for you to sing the song." And he goes, "Great, I'm in." <laughs> he so he goes to his record label, and they said, "Well, no, we don't want you to be part of some novelty song that's just you know you you got a career going. You don't need to do this." Well, so he turned. He said, "Bill, like, they won't let me do it." And so I, they got the record label Warner Bros. Got in touch with Travis Tritt. He said, "Hell yeah, I'll do it." Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's your sign. Went to number one on the country charts for eight did. weeks in a row. Yeah. And no. Joe said, every time he sees that record press, he goes, "Nice call, nice yeah. call." And here's your sign. <laughs> did you tell? Did you tell uh, tell him to quit listening to management? <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> How want you manage this? I remember when uh, when Jeff when Foxworthy. I'm talking to Bill Ingvall, by the way. When Foxworthy would call me when when the songs were racing up the charts, or in my case, they were like hanging out and sort of inching along. But Enjoying when, the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. One song took 56, 46 weeks to go to number two, and, and I said, come on, man. So yeah. anyway, the um, you know we, he did the countdown. And right. so I talked to him quite a bit. I just remember I'd written this song with a buddy of mine. It was a party that we had for years. So, so my buddy Tweety, you got you to picture this. When Everybody goes, why do you call him Tweety? When we were in college, and it was a long night, and he'd wake up in his boxers, his hair standing up, his body looked like Tweety Bird. So we nicknamed him <laughs> Tweety. Well, he became a catfish biologist, right? That's what he does for a living. And it's a big, you know, it's a big cash crop down here. And 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 so his job is to study the nutrition, make them more healthy for you, you know, the little muddy guys hanging at the bottom. But he makes the best catfish on the planet. So Well, I would hope. Well, yeah, well, yeah. So anyway, especially, you're right, right, exactly. So we're going, and he used, and when we were in Nashville, we were there a little over 20 years, he'd come and do this catfish, he'd come cook catfish for us at Christmas. So I'm going like, okay, so all of a sudden, I started, we started sending out an invitation. And so I said, I got to write that song, Catfish Christmas, we need it. So what happened was, it ended up being Jim McMahon and Cat Cora, and my buddy Tweety, we had to make him Santa Claus. So they were there, and we did the video. But I called Jeff because I knew you guys were about to do something on Warner Brothers, a Christmas song. And I said, I've got the song, and I don't care if I do it or not. I thought I had his interest for a minute, but it, it didn't go down. But there's my uh, – but so Catfish Christmas would have been – you guys would have killed it. You'd have killed I it. I would have loved that. Yeah. You know, and, I, I, and that's the other thing for me is I love doing those things. You know, uh, it's like the here's your sign Christmas thing is now one of – those ones you hear every year, yeah, like Grandma got run over by a reindeer, you know. And it's, I love it. It's, you know, it's it going kind of harkening back to what we were talking about earlier. I just, you know, Steve, every time I, I, I just, God, I don't know what I did right in my life that God blessed me with so much stuff. Uh, but it's like, it's weird to think that, it's like, you have songs and I've got stuff that people will, you know, tell their grandkids about. And yeah. like when we did Blue Collar Comedy Tour, you know, uh, I remember telling Foxworthy, I go, this is one of these things that, you know, when it was all done, I said, there, that, that's not going to ever happen again. That, nothing like that will ever happen again in comedy, probably. It's so we'll be able to sit on the, gram, on the porch with our grandkids and say, yeah, I was part of one of the biggest comedy. I mean, I, I think we, it just got broken, but we held the record for selling out the Nashville Arena in one day. I said, for stand-up. Well, you and Dan, and, and obviously Dan, Daniel, Dan, the labor lawyer, the cable guy, and Jeff, you guys, it was really unprecedented. I'm a big fan of just watching you guys, um, especially when you kind of go off script a little bit. You can tell yeah, there's yeah. these magical moments, like we do on stage. I'm always off script, but but I, there were a couple things. So this is the one thing that I've noticed about your world. 
when one of you guys pops, you take your friends that believed in you and you believe in with you. It happens with Adam Sandler. It happens in Kevin James. It happened with you guys. The music business is a little different. I mean, like, we're like, we'll stab you with the edge of our guitar if we have to in the back. <laughs> you know, I got you now. <laughs> you know, like, I remember when Moose Brown calls and goes, I've got the next, I don't have to be me till Monday. I said, no, you don't. And he goes, oh, yeah, I did. It's called Five O'Clock Somewhere. And I said, oh, that's good. And then he goes, and then he goes, <laughs> you know, he's jabbing him. He's jabbing me. And he goes, well, uh, I said, you've got to get it cut. And he goes, well, that's already happened. Alan Jackson and, and Jimmy Buffett. I went, oh. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. he couldn't Damn. wait to tell me because he was going like, you know, I got, I'm going to get you. Well, so, don't th- and listen, uh, don't think but, that we don't jab each other because we do. But, uh, but what but is it about like, your world? I think it's because we're on our own. You know, it's kind of like you against the world. Uh, and so when you got, and by the way, that's how you know who your true friends are. All right. Is the ones that will call you and say, hey, man, I, I saw you on the Tonight Show. That was awesome. You know, right. uh, and you find out who the ones who aren't your friends are. You know, I had guys who I thought were my dear friends, and when I hit it, they were like, "Well, he, you know, he stole half that stuff." It's like, oh, what? you got to be you kidding! Know, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll yeah, make yeah, up. Yeah. You know, I heard he had sex with a yeah. with an armadillo. Yeah. You know, it's well, just like it's armadillo. <laughs> who hadn't, by the way? Yeah, I mean, come on, uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, yeah. I think it's mainly because it, we're we're loners, and and I and listen. That's also the way I was raised. You know, it's like. If I can help somebody else or give somebody some advice or something, I mean, what? It's not going to. It's, it's not taking food out of my mouth. You yeah. know, it's like, and, and I think probably because in comedy, it's it's your stuff. You know, it's like it's not like we're all doing a fishing song. You know, right. and so I, I just think that you know the the comedy world is, is kind of like a fraternity a little bit, and, and that includes women and men. It's just. I get it. Because, dude, I can't tell you how many nights I've been on stage thinking to myself, God dang, I wish I had a band. Yeah, yeah. no, no, you don't because you got to pay them. (laughs) I love your world. A free band. I wish I I had a free band. Oh, I need a free band. That'd be great. Now I've got a new band. It's Steve Azar and the Kingsmen, and there's nine of us. It's a lot of BB's guys. BB Kings, one of Elvis's, oh, one of Little Milton's. Awesome. Well, it's a crazy record, and and it's uh, and moving back to Mississippi, I really sort of sunk my teeth back into where my or grew up. After having kids, after you know, I didn't have the kids, but you know what I'm saying. I was there, yeah. And so that was hey, a big part. Where do you of live it. in Mississippi? So I grew up in Greenville, Mississippi, down in the Delta, and I grew and my mom grew up in Clarksdale. We're four. We're way generations back. And so, okay, because uh, I was there sh- two years ago. I was shooting a movie in Jackson. See, it, you're going to go, oh, my God, watch The Neighbor. Now, not the one with Will Ferrell, and uh, this is a horror slasher movie. Oh, kinda. The Neighbor. In fact, I, I play a guy who uh, kidnaps and murders people. That, that's right up your alley. But we right? shot it right there in Jackson, and I'm going to tell you, the only reason I bring it up is because the people at Jackson were so nice to yeah, us. Yeah, they are. This, poor, this hotel we stayed at, we, we, we'd go to work at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and come in at 6 in the morning, yeah. and we got dirt and you know fake blood on us, and all these businessmen are getting ready to go out, and these hotel people are like, hey, good morning. We're like, hey, how you doing? I'll see you up, too. And the, uh, but we went to a place. There's a place there in Jackson. It's a soul food restaurant that is famous. All I know is that you go to the big buff. Uh, it's a buffet. It's, uh, it's I want to say it's something like Mama. Yeah. Something, but uh, dude, I, that's where I learned what a food architect is. Yeah. Because you got you got one plate, and you had to go through this buffet that had everything like fried chicken and uh, black eyed peas and and I mean just nothing good for you, but no. just delicious food. And I would watch people. 
put build their place, it looked like a three story condo. I oh mean, yeah, like, yeah. People, <laughs> people build. I mean, listen, they're on a mission. It's you know, it's it's the nutty professor when they go and they you know they're at the at the <laughs> yeah. buffet. You know, the funny thing is that when we were making the record, they got BB King's uh, Mr. King's uh, the 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 family that cooked. His name was Ronnie Ward, and Ronnie was about six foot five. He'll cook for us, so he cooked for us every day. And let me tell you what, it was exactly what you just said. So for about 10 days, I ate, you know, everything I can. I mean, I was making a record and eating the best soul food in the world, but it was not good for anything beyond the soul, I can promise you. Isn't life great? (laughs) No, no, (laughs) life's so good. All right, listen, uh, I do want to ask you this question, speaking of music. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm not going to give you any country artists. So Mississippi is the birthplace of American music, all right? It is absolutely. That's what we're known for, so much art and everything. So tell me, we're going to go into a commercial break. Do you want to hear Ike Turner or Muddy Waters? Oh, got to go Muddy Waters. That's Bill Ingball. He has called out Muddy Waters as Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. young boy. At the age of five. My mother style gonna be the greatest man alive. But now I'm a man. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sonny boy, if you have the choice, you'd raise some hell and make some noise, uh-huh. This is Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, because we do take our sweet time. I'm with Bill Ingball, and I wanted to talk to him about, I'm thinking maybe I could be a little bit uh, of the reason for our boy Alfonso and this year Frankie Munez and you, Bill Ingball, on Dancing with the Stars. First of all, my mom... Drives me crazy. You need to be on. Uh, she talks more southern. You need to be our baby dollar. You need to be on Dancing with the Stars. You become a big. St- and so I'm going like, okay, wait a minute, time out. And then my dad goes, ah, oh, y'all drink plenty of Gatorade. Y'all come out. Y'all love y'all. Y'all beautiful. You could dance so good, Steve. Anyway, so that's my dad. And so anyway, h- how did it all go down? You almost won, right? You made the finals four. Made final the finals. Four? All right. Let me just let me hear say, about this. Let, let me tell you this. It started, there's a lot of things you see headed your way in life. Yeah. That wasn't one of them. <laughs> I, uh, I I literally had had, uh, I had tore my meniscus uh, playing golf. I of was, course, playing I, golf. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a contact sport. Yeah, it um, is. Uh, I was walking to my cart, and my foot hit a patch of wet grass and literally just went backwards. So I had, my, I had the meniscus repair, and I'm lying in bed that afternoon, and the phone rings. Yeah, hello. And they said, this is Dancing with the Stars. And I literally said, I think he got the wrong number. <laughs> and they said, well, this is Bill Ingball, right? And I said, yeah, you got that part right. And they said, well, we want you to be on the show. And I literally, Steve, I literally said, well, yeah, hell, I could judge that. You know, <laughs> thinking, why else would they be calling? And they said, well, actually, Mr. Ingball, we'd like for you to be a contestant on the show. <laughs> All right, Steve, you, you know when you have surgery? Yeah, and the anesthesiologist says, "Look, don't make any important decisions for 24 hours." <laughs> well, there's some truth to that, but I got going on, and I, I got to be honest with you, dude. I literally thought I'd be on this show for a week because you get one week free, you get a buy. Right. First week, everybody right. gets a buy. Well, and I thought, well, by the second week, they're going to go. He's got to go. Right. <laughs> uh, but I figured out early on what it was. It's not a dance competition. Hell, if it was a dance competition, they wouldn't ask any of us to do it. <laughs> That's right. It's it's a popularity show. My partner, Emma, 
and this is what I'm most grateful for, is that our age range was so wide uh, that there was never any, like, oh, wonder what's going on with those two. You know, it was like, it was more like, like uh, Julianne Huff said. She said, it's like watching a dad and his daughter dance. What I would do is dance with this smoking hot 24-year-old girl, <laughs> and then I'd run over and kiss this 55-year-old woman who's watching <laughs> you to my wife. right. You better. And, you know, of course, every woman in America went, oh, my God. When I finally got eliminated in the finals, I, I added up my time on that dance floor, and I realized I had just danced six hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week for 13 weeks without a day off. <laughs> now, Steve, when I did that show, I was 57. Let me tell you yeah. something, my friend. Yeah. 57-year-old men are not designed to no. dance six hours a day, seven days a week for 13 weeks. We're designed to dance once a year drunk at a wedding. <laughs> But it was, I'm going to tell you, as big as Blue Collar was, Yeah, Dancing with the Stars was twice that. 12 million people a week for 13 weeks watching me. My only gripe about the show is I wish they'd go back to what it originally was, and that was people who didn't have any idea how to ballroom dance, and then you watched them try to learn. Nothing against Alfonso and these guys, but like... They're already dancers. They already know how to dance. Yeah, you know, I mean, he made you, he fooled you with the Carlton dance, but the bottom yeah, line is. Yeah, but he knows that. Like, yeah, he on can my dance. season, there was a kid that graduated from dance college. Yeah. There was, uh, who was on Little Liars. That's uh, not there was, fair. Yeah, a little girl who was just, who just came off of Showgirls. It was like, come on, man. I tell stupid booger <laughs> jokes, and I'm trying to dance with y'all. Yeah, you can There should be like a, you, you got to be like a three. Like everybody's got to yeah. be a three, oh, yeah. and let's see how good the threes can get. You know, so yeah, that's you know, you don't start out by giving people seven. No, you start, no, you no, start no. off with a three. We'll give you a three. So, so what happened with me was, uh, so we go to the second week, uh, and uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, was on our show that week, and uh, he blew his knee out. He got eliminated. So I thought, yeah. well, great. Yeah, I've been on long as I thought I'd be on. You can let me go now. Right. You You've know, had I, I, I hit my goal. I said I'll. I'll, I said, deer season starts in three weeks. I said, I'll sit around a deer camp with my buddies and joke yeah. about I was on a stupid dance. Well, show. yeah, you'd, I got to tell you something that that first of all, that all my buddies that that do that would not miss deer season opening day for anything would be disgusted that you wouldn't boycott the show just to go hunting with them. <laughs> but you know, uh, to me, the funniest thing was <laughs> is if you go, I tell, I always tell my people at my show, I said, go back and Google the dance, but don't don't watch the dance. <laughs> Just go to the end of the video to where they cut to the judges when they tell us we're safe, and just look at the look on their faces. It literally is like, how is he still here? <laughs> I, by week five, dude, I was begging to be off that show. I would literally come in and just flop down on the bed, and <laughs> I said, I, you know, I said, it's like when you watch those animal shows on the National Geographic channel. <laughs> I go, I'm that wounded gazelle at the back of the herd that you're going, oh, my God, the cheetah's going to get him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, here's the deal. Uh, we are we are blessed that we get to do what we do, and yes, uh, I, I do want you you and Gail when it when it works out to come down to our Delta Soul Celebrity Golf and Charity event it's in June every oh, every dude, year. I've already I'm already making plans for that, and yeah. I'm not just giving you word of mouth. You know how much I love that. This is Steve Azar. I've been very privileged to have Billing Ball all the way from Utah. I just want to tell you that you know what, uh, God bless you and your family. Thank and, you. We are we are not, not only big fans he as an artist, but just as a person too. And Gail and I will uh, we'll see you down there, uh, and, and we'll we'll maybe uh, lift a couple together. All right, you got it, man. I love you, brother. Be well. All right, take care, people. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all sixty of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. media production.